0: The text reads like this: He being Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church,
1: Her parents were nominal Catholics and knee-deep in the occult. Tarot cards, mediums, psychics, magic was all part and parcel of her upbringing. At 13... Her mom let her have her first reading where a psychic told her things about her life that she could not have naturally known. And on the back of that experience, she said, I was all in. She grew up and made a living as a psychic. And she said, sometimes information about people's lives would just be uploaded into my brain. I would just say to people whom I didn't know, I'm a psychic, sometimes I get information about people, would you like to hear uh, what I've received about you? And she said, no one ever said no. On one occasion, she was having an ultrasound, and she was able to tell her midwife details about her brother's death that had occurred years before. He was in a boating accident. She could identify the people That He was with and yet amid it all she said something felt wrong And as those feelings grew she started to become afraid Afraid of what she'd gotten herself into Uh, around that time one of her friends had been saved By Jesus Christ and so she invited this woman to church. She said no but as her feelings of Discomfort and fear grew. She eventually said, yes. She went to church. She heard the gospel and she was saved. The gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Uh, Think about it. It could take a woman working in the very porch of hell and fit her for heaven. And the reality is, whoever you are, whatever is in your past, whatever skeletons are in your closet, the gospel of Jesus Christ can fit you for heaven. We continue our Sunday morning series called Why Jesus Died. So far, we've seen Jesus died, number one, to save sinners. Number two, to reconcile all things to God. And today... To present us wholly before God. That is, to present us wholly before God on the last day. On the day of reckoning. When the world will be brought to account. And when each individual will be summoned to appear before the judgment seat of God. On that day... All who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ will be presented holy and blameless and above reproach before God. No condemnation, no purgatory, no judgment, no hell. Only a warm welcome by God himself. And before we get into our passage today, let me say this, friends. Keeping that in mind... Our future in heaven is the key to living the Christian life in the present. When you remember the forgiveness of your past and that heaven awaits in your future, you will be able to cope with today. Isn't it true that sometimes a, a crisis can sometimes hammer all perspective out of us? A, a crisis can throw you a crisis can throw me into no man's land spiritually when you're anxious about that wayward child damaged by that emotional wound distracted by that chronic pain and grieving the loss of that loved one it feels like you've been swept into an eternal realm of spiritual ice but when we remember that the glow of heaven is already on our faces, we will put one foot in front of the other. We'll be able to breathe again. We'll be able to sleep again. Why? Because Jesus died to present us holy before God on the last day. That is a hope worth living this day in light of. And so in our passage today, Paul connects number one, hour past, Number two, our future. And number three, our present to the cross of Jesus Christ. And so, friends, may God bless this message to you and give you the perspective that you need for your daily lives. So number one, our past. Look at Colossians 1 verse 21. Paul writes, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, Doing evil deeds. That's who these believers in Colossae were before they found salvation at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's who you were before you found salvation at the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's who you are if you haven't yet found salvation at the cross of Jesus Christ alienated, that is separated from God, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And we're going to take those one at a time. So Paul says, before you found salvation at the cross of Jesus, you used to be alienated from God. Adam, our first father, sinned. He was driven out, driven away from the presence of God, and because we are Adam's descendants, we were born far from the presence of God too. And that's tragic because Psalm 1611 says, in your presence, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand, are pleasures forevermore, so that now in our world, joy is hard to come by and even harder to keep. The world knows only echoes of joy. Only glimpses of pleasure. And that's who the believers in Colossae were. That's who you were. That's who you are if you haven't found salvation at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we used to be, verse 21, hostile in mind. And if you'd say to me, Hugh, not every believer is hostile in mind toward God I would say friend either he hasn't heard enough either he hasn't understood enough or either he's hiding it well behind his British disposition because by nature left to ourselves before Jesus saves us we are all anti-God hostile in mind Uh, the more we hear about God the less we want to know The more his truth is preached, the more we suppress it in unrighteousness. And the nearer God gets to us, the further we want to run away. And that's who the believers in Colossae were. That's who you were. That's who you are if you haven't found salvation at the cross of Jesus yet. And Paul goes on and says, we were doing evil deeds Whether of sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Whatever the form, we were engaged in evil deeds. Now, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, my guess is this sounds shockingly offensive to you. Uh, Maybe you came here today expecting a nice thought for the day from the pastor that looks like he's 12 or some nice some nice stories perhaps or just a poem or something like that but instead you've heard God's word the Bible call you alienated from God hostile in mind and someone who's involved in evil deeds to you I want to say two things friend your present needn't define your future It can all be dealt with at the cross of Jesus. Jesus died for alienated, hostile, evil sinners like me. Uh, Not only that, but friend, this damning description is so freeing. It's so liberating. Why? Because it gives you permission to be real with yourself. It gives you permission not to have to pretend anymore. God knows the truth about you, so you might as well just own it. See, friend, if you don't have Jesus as Savior, you only have yourself. And if you only have yourself, then you have to delude yourself and others into thinking that you're amazing. That's why some of the most popular creeds in our culture today go like this. Believe in yourself. Uh, follow your heart. You do you. Or why the, the Disney gospel is, be the hero of your own story. But all of that is exhausting because it's built on the mirage of my greatness. But I'm not great. And I'm not a hero. So I can't be the hero of my own story. The Bible gives us a better option. The Bible says Jesus knows the truth about us and holds out undeserved love and mercy and grace and favor anyway. So I can be honest and I can be loved by a Savior who makes all things new. He died for me, so I don't have to fool myself, I don't have to fool you, and I don't have to fool God. And even for those of us who have believed, Believe it or not, friends, there is great consolation in verse 21. Th- think about it, friends. If Jesus died for you when you were alienated, hostile, and doing evil deeds, will he not now help you now that you're his? Now that you're clean? Now that you're reconciled and walking side by side with him all the way to glory? You see, friend, if there's even an ounce of spiritual health within you today, you want to be more. Uh, You want to be a better husband or wife. You want to be a better father or mother. You want to be a more fearless evangelist. You want to be knowing the word of God more than you do. You want to be more earnest in prayer. And as you struggle, as you strive with those things, sometimes you can feel like a bit of a loser and a failure. But again, if Jesus rescued you when you were at your worst, then why would you think that he's no longer interested in you now that you are his? If he was faithful then, will he not be faithful now? And second, Paul tells us of our future. He connects our future to the cross of Jesus. Look at verse 22. He says, He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach before him. Paul is describing here what awaits those who have been reconciled to God by the death of Jesus Christ. He says, they will be presented wholly blameless and above reproach before God. If you're a Christian here today, then you have a right standing before God. Now, God sees you as righteous right now, but on the last day, you will be presented to God as such holy, blameless, and above reproach before God. Listen to how the Apostle John put it. He said, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Now, Paul is going to spell out the practical implications of all this under the next heading and in the next verse. But before we hear what this means for us practically, I want to hear what this means for us pastorally. Because friend, there is so much more to encourage you today than merely this too shall pass. There's also glory is on the way. In other words, because of the cross of Christ, your future is bright. You are on your way to the celestial city. The city of destruction is behind you. Glory is ahead of you, and the arms of God await you. You know, several months before we moved back to the UK, I was sat in church like you are now, I was listening to a sermon like you are now. And I started to think to myself, wow, do you know if, and I thought of a specific preacher's name, if, if that preacher was handling this passage, I bet he would do an amazing job. And then at the end of the service, I had a text on my phone from my sister And she said, have you heard the news about, and she named that exact preacher I was thinking about 20 minutes before. And the news was that this pastor had abandoned the faith and walked away. And it shook me so profoundly that for weeks and months, I was thinking to myself, there is no point in going to Hoylake. No point in becoming a pastor. If he made shipwreck of his faith, what hope do you have? Here's the hope that I have. The finished work of Christ on the cross. That because Jesus took all of my unholiness into himself, he's going to present me holy on the last day. And so will you be if you are looking to Jesus. Jesus. If that's your future, friend, rejoice in the present. And again, I say, rejoice. Even as you meet trials of various kinds, count it all but joy. Glory is on the way. Again, if the glow of heaven is on your face, friend, you can put one foot in front of the other. And so disarm everything. Every demonic accusation with this gospel truth. When the devil says to you, you're not going to make it. You can say to him, it's too late. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And there's nothing you can do to move me off that throne. And when he says, God will never accept you. You can say, he already has. And Christ's righteousness is mine today. And I'll be presented with, to God with that righteousness around my shoulders. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amen. Anyone today? Anyone encouraged? Or okay. Just me. Brother, sister, take the sword of God's word and ram it down the devil's throat like Spurgeon said again, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, you need to hear me say this. You too will be presented before the throne of God. And on that day, you will either be presented holy, blameless, and above reproach, or one alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds what's it gonna be for you CS Lewis said this he said remember remember that the dullest most uninteresting person you can talk to will one day be a creature which if you saw it now you would be strongly tempted to worship or else, A horror and a corruption such as you now meet only in a nightmare. What are you going to be transformed into? A pastor said this. He said, imagine you have an invisible recorder around your neck. That for all your life records, every time you say to someone else, you ought to. It only turns on when you tell someone else how to live. In other words it only records your own moral standards as you seek to impose them on other people. It records nothing except what you believe is right or wrong. And what if God, on judgment day, stands in front of people and says, you never heard about Jesus Christ and you never read the Bible, but I'm a fair-minded God, let me show you what I'm going to use to judge you. And then he takes that invisible recorder from around your neck and says, I'm going to judge you by your own moral standards. And God plays the recording. There's not a person on the face of the earth who will be able to pass that test. And if we know it, then God knows it too. But friend, the sobering reality for you today is this. God will not judge you by your standards. God will judge you by his And his standards are infinitely higher than mine or yours. Turn then to the cross of Jesus Christ today. And see all of your unholiness buried in his body. All of your hostility in his flesh. All of your evil deeds punished in his hands. And in his feet and receive his holiness, his blamelessness, and his right standing before God. If you believe on him today, he will replace your past with his righteousness. And that's how you'll be presented to God on the very last day. That's amazing. Well, lastly, look at our present. What are we supposed to do in the here and now? And I want to connect this to the... Second verse as well. So look at verse 22. Paul says, He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which is been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, is Paul saying here, uh, Jesus gets us so far, and then we have to get ourselves the rest of the way? Uh, no. It is Paul saying, if you don't continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, then you will lose your salvation? No. Instead, the mood in the original language tells us that Paul's if, in verse 23, is a confident expectation for the future. He, he believed that the Colossian church would continue and would be stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Why? Because he believed that they had been saved Nevertheless, this is our responsibility today. We are to continue in the faith. We are to be stable and steadfast like houses built on the foundation of the gospel that aren't going anywhere. My guess is you all probably know someone who would say to you, all is well between me and God. We're on good terms because... 25 years ago, I prayed a prayer or walked an aisle or signed a card or whatever it is, and yet they show zero interest today in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friends, that wasn't the Colossian church. And that is not someone who has been reconciled to God by the death of Jesus Christ. J.I. Packer said this, he said, The only proof of past conversion is present convertedness. So then the question is, how can we continue in the faith? Uh, the question is, how can we be stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel? Uh, do you know, years ago, uh, a reporter became really interested in the Apollo missions. And in his research, he discovered that the uh, lunar spacecraft was off course for 85% of its journey. And fi- the point was that fuel was so limited, the spacecraft had to mostly drift its way to the moon. Its course was only corrected by what they call retro rockets that sort of just blast it back onto course and get it back on track. Well, friend, if you're off track today, then I've got three retro rockets for you to get you to the moon or heaven, if you will. Uh, look at Colossians two verse six. Turn there in your Bibles with me. Colossians two verse six. Paul says, "Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted." And built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. If you want to continue in the faith, do what you did when you received the faith. How did you receive Jesus? Well, you received him freely by faith, didn't you? So put your faith in Jesus every day. Say to him, At the beginning of your day, Lord, I believe that there is more grace in you than there is sin in me, and so I trust you today to forgive me. Lord, I believe that there's more wisdom in you than there is foolishness in me, so I trust you today to lead me. Lord, I I believe that there's more strength in you than there is weakness in me. So I look to you today to uphold me. And on and on, I put my faith in you again, Lord. I look to you. I trust in you. I receive you as my all in all. And then Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 1, flip over the page. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, why is that relevant? Because everything that is above will strengthen your faith today. Think about it. In heaven, there is White-hot worship of Jesus. Well, worship will strengthen your faith in Jesus today. In heaven, there is service of Jesus. And service will strengthen you in faith today. In heaven, there is a deep knowledge of God. So deepen your knowledge of God today. And lastly, if we want to continue in the faith, look at Colossians 3 verse 5. Paul says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, Malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old, with, uh, the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Friends, let those three retro rockets blast you back onto course as you make your way to heaven, where you will be. Presented holy, blameless, and above reproach before God. Amen. 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 Amen.